Welcome to the Glacial Multimedia Podcast Series. The Glacial Multimedia Podcast Series is dedicated to providing internet marketing education to physicians for better business development and overall patient communication. I would like to welcome everybody to the Glacial Multimedia Podcast Series today. My name is Michael Dubkowski. Today's podcast is What is Happening in Refractive Marketing Today? I have Mike Malley, Christine LaPointe, and Paul Steubenboard with me. I am super honored to have all of these people with me. They're some of the top minds in ophthalmology marketing. and They've been all doing this for a very, very long time. Mike, I'd like to start with you. And uh, first of all, congrats on being in eye care for over 30 years. Um, tell, me, tell me a little bit about yourself and uh, a little bit about the early days of refractive marketing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, the early days of refractive marketing were radial keratotomy. How about those numbers? And, uh, it was, uh, so I've been at this since the days of RK, LK, ALK, and all the way through whatever we have today, what the acronyms are. So it's, it's funny. We've seen, you know, when RK first came on the scene, that gosh, it was, it was covered by a lot of insurances and some of our clients did, you know, 20,000 procedures over the first few years and they found out how how they were about the hyperopic shift and all these things that was wrong with it. So we've kind of come along uh, through the years uh, just watching the various procedures come about until we've gotten to LASIK. And then we've seen, like, I don't know what other what the other consultants have seen, but we're seeing a bit of a plateau and uh, with LASIK until we think yeah. that when they, the current millennials turn about 35, which is 2020, 2021, when they start hitting that age group, we'll see kind of a nice little return to increases and uh, in, in LASIK, and that's what we're kind of waiting for right now. Well, thanks, Mike. Hey, Paul, um, you've been at this a really long time. How did you get started? Because you, you had some practice-level experience I think was very valuable. Um, how did you get started, and how do you help your clients stay at the top today? Yeah, that's a good question. So I started my career uh, working at one of the busiest um, LASIK practices in probably the country. We're at the time doing uh, 800 eyes a month, one surgeon, and it was a, you know, it was a, <laughs> it was a, a bit crazy. Um, but, you know, I learned a lot from that practice, really starting with the importance of the phone call, you know, how important every single call was that came from marketing. You know, for example, on my very first day, the doctor came back and put $200 on top of the phone. And it's like, oh, a bonus already. Thank you. And he's like, that's not a bonus. That's how much it costs just to make the phone ring once. So make sure you do a good job. Um, and then after several months of being in the call center, I worked as a counselor myself. So I saw patients who came in for LASIK, and, um, you know, basically my job was to educate them and go over all their options um, and financial options and to schedule them for surgery. So our philosophy is we always start with the foundation of the practice. Um, we start with the foundation, which would be uh, how you answer the phone, uh, sales skills, customer service skills, uh, the core of the practice. Um, and then we uh, move on uh, to marketing um, after we have our solid foundation. Well, thanks, Paul. You're, you're a nice transition into Ms. Christine LaPointe. Christine, you've been one of the top people for call work as well uh, when it comes to refractive surgery conversions. Tell us about your start and, and how you got going specifically with the call part of this. Hey, Mike, thanks for having me, and I'm, I'm so honored to be here with uh, Mike and Paul as well. So as, as you all know, I started way back in 1996 with the uh, FDA approval of PRK, 
and worked for multiple laser centers, managed multiple laser centers, worked in private practice, and also worked for several technology leaders. And uh, nine years ago, we founded Aesthetics 360, and just like Paul said, we, we found there was a huge need for the phone to get answered properly. But for us, we found there was a huge need for training in general, um, not just simply um, on conversion rates or what we call acceptance rates, but actually making time for training. And we, we find that's still a challenge today because there's so many moving pieces to the practices, multi-specialty, additional surgeons, um, multi-location. Just like Paul said, you have to look at the foundation. So we, we see a huge need for call training and accountability, um, which is not a bad word. It's, it's a way to help people know they're doing a great job, but we need to see measurements and statistics and accountability in those areas. And so we focus a lot on that. And just as Paul said, we focus on foundation. That's great, Christine. So, you know, the kind of the point of things with this, with this podcast today is, you know, things have gotten very different over the years. We all remember it may have been easier a long time ago to get more leads. It may have been a lot easier to convert more leads. Um, so what are some of the things that um, you guys are doing out there as, as marketing consultants to try to get your practices on the top? Mike, let's start with you. Yeah, thanks, Mike. What we're doing now is focusing more on educational offers. <clears throat> so we're seeing that people, when we put them in the you know the various click funnels, they're not always in a purchase at the bottom of the purchase cycle. So we're focusing more on the top of the funnel, the educational portion, where if people want to learn more about candidacy, cost, technology updates, comparisons to contact lensware, we just want to get them into our system and then process them down from there. We spent years going after the, you know, the, the sale. Every, every marketing campaign was about, have LASIK now, have LASIK now. Well, people, especially millennials, aren't ready right now to have LASIK. They don't value it for the cost that we're offering. So we're just trying to put more people. So most of our campaigns now are focusing on, on education, getting them into our, our system, the process, the, the funnels, and then just processing them down from there. Yeah. Not everybody's a now buyer, and uh, you know I think that's that's maybe not the way it used to be. And you know sometimes you have to get that reality down to the practice level. Paul, what are some of the things that you're doing um, today to kind of keep your practices at the top of their game? Well, it's uh, exactly what Mike said. Um, you know, in the past when we did marketing campaigns, uh, we got a lot of we got a lot more calls than we do nowadays. Um, we found that traditional media, uh, such as radio, uh, television, especially any type of print, has been less effective. And we really rely more on, on the Internet more than ever before and also um, reviews, um, review sites such as uh, Google Business and Yelp and certain markets. Um, so we try to cr create a database of these patients internally um, using um, you know, certain CRMs or MD prospects uh, to keep these uh, leads because, as Mike said, we do get a lot of these millennials coming in and wondering about LASIK, but not as many convert as they used to. And we found approximately 90% of these patients that came in for consultation that have not converted still have not had LASIK a year afterwards. Um, so we do uh, drip marketing. Um, so we send out these email blasts every three to four months to these patients, just kind of reminding them of uh, flex spending or, hey, you know, have the vision you've always dreamed of for summer. Um, 
And then we, we have our internal refractive team calling these patients. And I think you'll be shocked at um, how many of these leads that came in before that didn't convert are now converting just because, you know, we hit them at the right time. That's a great idea, Paul, and I think a good takeaway for anyone listening to this particular podcast. Um, Christine, tell me, wh- what about good service as marketing? Is this something that could be used today in today's day to actually make it? to get more conversions. Tell me about that. I I think you would even um, put it in the category of engagement, which is this is where we work really well in concert with Paul and Mike because uh, regardless of what you're doing to get the patients in the door and engage with them, there has to be conversation. And and for us, engagement is not just um, when they're in front of you. It's uh, pre-visit. Can they even find their way to your office once they're there? Are they having a good experience? What are we doing post-surgery? And so we find a lot of times that we have to teach people in the practices actually how to have a conversation with patients. They're very used to process, which Mike said, and and they process and they know how to do the clinical aspects really well, but people have a difficult time engaging. So I would give you this fun little task to give people to do because it's easy. Everyone thinks they don't have enough time in the day to train people, but we do workshops um, in more detail on this, but I would ask your employees when they go to lunch or when they leave at the end of the day to go have a conversation with someone they don't know. Engage in a conversation with a stranger. You can talk about anything, the weather, what they have on, um, you know, if they need any help, and help people learn how to be in a conversation and be present with people. Because if we don't do that, all of these great things that Mike and Paul are doing to get these patients in the door, it's going to all be for naught. Thanks, Christine. I know everyone on this call is a big fan of mix, you know, and whatever it takes. I think we've all been kind of whatever it takes to get the lead in, we're going to do. Um, Mike and Paul specifically, can you guys talk to me and, and maybe Mike first on what's been going on with um, co-management? And, and are there some things that um, docs can do to, to kind of, you know, put a little uh, pep in their step with that program? Um, what, do you, what are you guys doing now? Yeah, yeah. No, you can, the the only way to put a little pep in the uh, in the pockets of optometrists is to pay them more. <clears throat> we have focused. Uh, so, now cataracts different story. For LASIK, we are focusing less and less. I mean, we're still friendly and we still communicate. And we do, you know, holiday gifts to all of our optometrists, but we're just having such a difficult time yeah. convincing optometrists that that you know I, I'm I'm not sure that they appreciate the fact that patients are going to see better and spend less. Having LASIK, I, I think honestly, and my my pardons to any optometrists on the call, I think they're more concerned about a lifetime of selling glasses and contacts than they are about patients who who really uh, want or need LASIK. Here's the way we see co-management: when a patient walks into an, their OD's office and they say, "Hey, I'd love to have LASIK. I'm sick of these. I really want to go have LASIK. Who can you recommend?" They then recommend you know us, and uh, that that's their version of co-management. It's not when a patient walks in and they put their annual refraction, and they go, "Hey, have you ever thought about LASIK?" We just don't see that. Maybe Paul and Christine are, but that's, our our approach is we'll take the business, but we're not going to spend a whole lot of time and money and effort trying to get it. Paul, what are your thoughts on that? 
Yeah, so I agree. Uh, uh, you know, with Mike, what Mike said, um, they're not as interested in um, referring out LASIK patients as they are selling a lifetime of glasses. However, um, we've done some things. So, for example, uh, we have our, our key core of ODs uh, that we work with. Um, and they know there's going to be patients walking through their door that want to have LASIK but probably won't mention it to them. So we've created these uh, little, like little voting boxes, acrylic drop boxes, and it just says, you know, uh, curious about LASIK, you know, enter, uh, enter to win or, or enter to win free LASIK, for example. And we have their patients while they're in their office will fill out these little uh, slips and uh, put them in the drawing box. And then once every quarter, we draw a winner. Um, and then it gives us probably about 30 to 50 leads to work per month um, or per quarter, sorry. Um, it's a lot of leads. And then what we find out is basically um, the, we'll, we'll pick the winner and we'll probably have three or four more of those patients that entered um, come in for LASIK. And then the OD gets the benefit of co-managing that patient with us so they're not left without anything. Um, but overall, co-management of LASIK is, is, is very low. Now, like Mike said, with cataract, it's a completely different story. Thanks, Paul. Uh, Christine, I think you were probably the first person to tell me the term willing, able, and committed. And I think... In my work, sometimes you know, it's nice to see a practice that's very committed to their program. Um, can you tell me what that means in terms of success? Sure. That's a, it's a great term. We actually learned that um, way back in the VizX days when we were doing business development because we had to identify you know, who we were going to spend the most time with and how we were going to get the best results. But you know, most of our doctors are very um, willing Everybody wants to do that. They, I want to do this. I want to do LASIK. I want to do cataract surgery. But they may not be able or committed. They may not have the capacity, um, the space, the correct patient flow to see the number of patients they need to see to make these goals, or they're not committed. And it's not, you know, I have to say it's not on purpose, but there's a financial commitment that has to be there for these programs and they have to put uh, a financial commitment into their marketing budget and also into the training of their staff and hiring the right people. Because you're only as good as your team, and you have to have a core, a fantastic core team. So you'll find the practices that are doing the best are the ones that have all three of those components. Mike Malley, what are your thoughts on commitment? You know, um, I, I kind of agree with Christine a lot. That um, it's uh, you know there's there's commitment from both sides too from the from the practice side to the patient side and uh, so I I would say I just agree fully with her on on that one Mike okay that's awesome that's awesome yeah what do you guys you know with everything changing and millennials being more important and the demos really shifted towards that direction um, what it, what do you see Mike Malley as the biggest challenge today in refractive market? So the, so the two main challenges we see are, are reaching them, first of all. It's, you know, it's, everybody is so busy and they're so online and they're, 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 they're just harder to reach these days than at any other time, number one. Then if you reach them, uh, which is mainly going to be, like Paul said, online through various social media outlets or even some, you know, we do paid social uh, when you do reach them, the other, the other obstacle is money. They're, they're not yet into a stage in life where they place enough priority and value on, on our retail product versus travel and 
you know, the, all the other purchases are there they'd prefer over Lake. So it's reaching them first, and once you reach them, convincing them of the value of LASIK. Thanks, Mike. Christine, what are your thoughts on the upcoming biggest challenges for refractive marketing today? I, I do agree with Mike, and I'd add one more piece to that. Because uh, I've had LASIK, and, you know, I love it. It's the, you know, one of the best things I ever did for myself, but it's a it's an intangible Thing. If you're in plastic surgery or, or derm, you can show people before and after photos, and you can actually show someone what they're going to look like or they, they'll get a really good idea also of the surgeon's skill. It's really difficult for us to show somebody the surgeon's skill and to show them the benefit that they will have after surgery until they actually experience it. So, A, getting to them, which Mike said, and then they don't understand the value of it because they have to experience it. Thanks, Christine. Um, and Mike, there's one, quick, one sure. quick other thing I wanted to mention. Like today, for instance, this is what Christine said. They aren't convinced of the value. So what we're doing, something very simple. I agree. doesn't require any marketing person. The staff can do it. We're using iPhones to film every, every chance we get, film uh, patients on their one-day post-op, sharing how they're feeling. But, but it's reality filming. It's not lit. It's not professional. It's by your, one of your technicians. It's a 20, 30-second video of patients going, wow, a millennial saying, wow, I had no idea. So you know, that, that's as effective as anything because video is so important today. Sorry. Hey, Mike, I got a question for you. Do you have them take uh, the patient's phone and say, hey, would you like me to do a live video with your phone so you can post it on your Facebook page? Or... Uh, are you using the, pra- the practice cell phone? Yeah, so, so more more times than not, we're using the practice uh, cell phone, but I like your method better because, you know, with all of our marketing and all the social media, you don't want to, you have to convince your doctors that no one's really on their Facebook pages. You want to be on everybody else's social media platform. And the best way to do that is use their phone. So that that is absolutely probably the, the biggest jewel uh, pearl you'll get today is that, Use everyone else's social media platform to promote LASIK uh, and not not back to your own platform. Yeah, I really like what you had to say there, both of you, about value, you know, improving the value. And I think it's harder now to prove that value than it used to be. Um, And I think this is evidenced by the fact that, you know, I'm personally seeing on my campaigns large quantities of lead intake, but a gigantic lead-to-consult bottleneck so why was someone interested but maybe not converting the consult? So I see that as one of the biggest challenges in refractive surgery today. If, if you, uh, you know, get 180 leads on a campaign and you can't get 20% to, con- to consultation, you know, that, that's a problem and it's a value. I, I think it comes down to what Mike was saying about the value. And Mike, that goes to commitment. Having a system in the practice that effectively funnels and does the drip and having people that get back to these inquiries right away, whether they're using MD Prospects or some other practice management program, uh, once you get those leads, as Paul said, it's, it may not be immediate. So there has to be constant communication. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I think we have a lot of researchers out there and maybe not ready to pull the trigger or not ready to you know, part with the cash. And I, and I think, you know, you prove the value, they'll part with the cash. Amen. So, so I, Christine kind of turned me on to a, a small trend I want to talk about right at the end here 
but that is i'm seeing a trend in terms of and this is very strange guys but i think that there's something to this and uh i've seen a trend in terms of interior design as marketing and bringing digital signage into the design of a modern space um in particular i've seen a few centers that around the country that have built like really beautiful situations and when a patient comes in for a consultation geez the competition doesn't have a chance you know um, what are your particular thoughts on this? We'll start with you, Christine, um, since you're the one that kind of turned me on to this concept. But um, what are your thoughts on this? You know, I, I feel like if, if you're going to send a message to people that you are the premier, state-of-the-art, you're the one, what, whatever it is, even if it's cataract surgery, even if it's dry ice in our excellence, whatever it is, you have to be ready and prepared to show that to the patient in multiple ways. And we're dealing with eyes, right? Our patients have visual problems. We need to wild them visually, and we need them to walk in and say, okay, this is exactly what I thought it was going to be, not walk in and be completely let down because the furniture looks old and the rug has stains. And, you know, your current patients, they'll stay because they love you, but you want to get the new patients those things are, are, are integral in getting them to stay and have a, a trust factor with you. So I'm all for that visual piece and the, and the digital communication as well. Mike, what are your thoughts on this? I know you've been to some really beautiful yeah, centers. I, I think I think Christine is onto something. And Mike, as you know, you were I think you were responsible for building out Jim Loden's website. But two of the practices that do this uh, the most professionally and, and are committed the most to this. I think our, our Jim Loden's practice in Nashville and, uh, and Nader Iskander's practice, which is one of Paul's clients in San Antonio, which is San Antonio Eye Specialist. So when you, so the goal for when you have practices like that, the goal simply becomes don't try and push LASIK on anyone. Just get them to the center because the center will make the sale. And it's like Christine says, I mean, it was, if, you, if, you, if you do, if you, if you go visit those two centers online, you'll see what we're talking about. You walk into Jim Loden's practice. They have about a 2,000-square-foot reception area with one person and one receptionist who has a personal interaction with every single patient, you know, and that's a, that's a super powerful first impression, and it elevates the status right away of the procedure you're buying, and you, and you, you get a feeling that this is not going to be a discount laser center, you know, in the same way with Dr. Iskander in San Antonio, beautiful, beautiful practice, unbelievably high-end, and so the goal becomes just get them any way you can to the practice. And, and closure will take care of itself. Thanks, Mike. And thanks, Christine and Paul, for being on the podcast today. Really excellent questions. And um, if anyone out there that's listening to the podcast wants to connect with anyone, I'm happy to make the connections for you. Thanks again, Mike and Christine. All right. Thanks so much. Everybody. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Glacial Multimedia Podcast Series. For more information in regards to future podcasts or services discussed, please visit www.glacial.com or call us at 207-878-5900.